Former U.S. President Donald Trump has come out openly and admitted that he wanted to take over Venezuela's oil. When I left, Venezuela was ready to collapse. We would have taken it over. We would have gotten all that oil. It would have been right next door. The U.S. government initiated a coup attempt against Venezuela in 2019. The Donald Trump administration appointed a little-known right-wing opposition politician named Juan Guaido as the supposed interim president of Venezuela, despite the fact that he had never participated in a presidential election. And now Donald Trump, as he campaigns for president once again, is publicly acknowledging that one of the main reasons for Washington's coup attempt against Venezuela is to take its oil. Trump said this openly on June 10th at a speech for a convention organized by the North Carolina Republican Party. Venezuela. How about we're buying oil from Venezuela? When I left, Venezuela was ready to collapse. We would have taken it over. We would have gotten all that oil. It would have been right next door. But now we're buying oil from Venezuela, so we're making a dictator very rich. Can you believe this? Nobody can believe it. Now, this might not be too much of a surprise if you know that Venezuela has the world's largest known oil reserves. Now, this is not even the first time that Trump has made these kinds of comments. Back when he was president, he did an interview on Fox News in which Trump boasted that the U.S. was stealing Syria's oil, and he boasted that, that, that Trump left hundreds of U.S. soldiers in Syria in its oil-rich territory in order to militarily occupy the country illegally and steal its oil. And then they'd say he left troops in Syria. You know what I did? I left troops to take the oil. I took the oil. The only troops I have are taking the oil. They're protecting the oil. I took we're, over We're taking the oil. oil. We're not taking Well, oil. maybe they're, we will. Maybe we won't. They're I protecting mean, we, the facility. I don't know. Maybe we should take it. But we have the oil right now. The United States has the oil. So they say he left troops in Syria. No, I got rid of all of them other than we're protecting the oil. We have the oil. And other members of the Donald Trump administration made similar comments. Trump's neoconservative national security advisor, John Bolton, spilled the beans right at the beginning of the coup attempt in January 2019. In an interview on Fox News, John Bolton said that the U.S. wanted to control Venezuela's oil and that U.S. corporations were in discussions with the government. We're looking at the oil assets. That's the single most uh, important income stream to the government of Venezuela. We're looking at what to do to that. We want everybody to know we're, we're looking at all this very seriously. We don't want any American businesses or investors caught by surprise. They can see what President Trump did yesterday. We're following through on it. Uh, so if you think of a company like Sitco, which is owned by Pedavesa, which is the state-run oil company there in Venezuela, we have a lot of those Sitco assets right here in the U.S. Is that something, for example, sir, that you're looking at? Yeah, well, we're in conversation with major American companies now that are either in Venezuela or in the case of Citgo here in the United States. Uh, I think we're trying to get to the same end result here. You know, uh, Venezuela is one of the three countries I call the Troika of tyranny. It'll make a big difference to the United States economically if we could have American oil companies really invest in and, and produce the oil uh, capabilities in uh, Venezuela. It'd be good for the people of Venezuela. It'd be good for the people of the United States. We both have a lot at stake here making this come out the right way. 
Now, it's important to point out that it's not just that Venezuela has large oil reserves, but specifically that they were nationalized by the leftist president, Hugo Chavez, who was democratically elected and a socialist. And he said, our oil belongs to the people of Venezuela. It is the property of the government. And Venezuela's state-owned oil company, PDVSA, used that money from the oil sales in order to fund social programs and public housing and transportation and healthcare and education. For a hundred years, Venezuela has been a petrostate. And for the vast majority of that history, the oil revenue went to benefit a small handful of oligarchs and private capitalists. And what Chavez did is he used that oil wealth to benefit the Venezuelan people. And that led to the United States leading numerous coup attempts. In 2002, in April, there was a briefly successful military coup, which overthrew democratically elected President Chavez, although he was so popular that the people of Venezuela stormed the streets and they overthrew the coup regime and demanded that Chavez be reinstated as president. The George Bush administration was deeply involved in that coup attempt, well, briefly successful coup back in 2002. And ever since then, Washington has organized numerous coup attempts trying to overthrow Venezuela's leftist president, even after Hugo Chavez died in 2013 and his successor, Nicolas Maduro, took over and continued the left-wing Bolivarian revolution that Chavez initiated. There have been numerous coup attempts, including violent coup attempts in 2014 and 2017, and then finally, the U.S. attempt to try to impose its own puppet government starting in 2019. Now, the fact that this was a coup attempt is actually not controversial at all. It was admitted once again by Donald Trump's neoconservative national security advisor, John Bolton. Last year in 2022, Bolton did an interview on CNN and he said very clearly, we organized a coup attempt in Venezuela. He, I mean, basically just admitted it. And he said, it's very difficult to organize a coup, boasting of how it's hard work. Uh, one doesn't have to be brilliant to attempt a coup. Uh, I disagree with that. As somebody who has helped plan coup d'etat, yeah. not here, but, you know, other places, uh, it takes a lot of work. I, I do want to ask a follow-up. Um, when we were talking about what is capable, what you need to do to be able to plan a coup, and you, you cited your expertise having planned coups. I'm not going to get into the specifics, but... Uh, Successful coups? Well, I wrote about Venezuela in, uh, in the book, and uh, it, it turned out not to be successful. Not that we had all that much to do with it, but I saw what it took for an opposition to try and overturn an illegally elected president, and they failed. The notion that Donald Trump was half as competent as the Venezuelan opposition is laughable. But I think there's another... I feel like you're this other stuff you're not telling me, though. I think I'm sure there is. John Bolton wrote even more about this in a memoir that he published in 2020, which is called The Room Where It Happened. He speaks about his time as the top national security official in the Trump administration. And he says very clearly that the U.S. was openly trying to overthrow the elected president of Venezuela, Nicolas Maduro. There was even an assassination attempt against Maduro using a drone and the Venezuelan government has said that they have intelligence that John Bolton personally ordered that attack. In the book, he said it was hilarious, gloating about this assassination attempt against Maduro. Also in the book, Bolton says very clearly that Trump repeatedly asks for 
a military attack. He wanted the U.S. military to bomb Venezuela and potentially invade Venezuela in order to overthrow its democratically elected left-wing government. Bolton wrote in his book that Trump considered Venezuela basically a colony. He said that Venezuela, quote, is really part of the United States. And Trump also said it would be cool to invade Venezuela. Trump ordered John Bolton, get it done, meaning overthrow the president Maduro. And he said, this is the fifth time I've asked for it, complaining that the coup attempt kept failing. Trump emphasized that he wanted the strongest possible sanctions against Venezuela. And John Bolton said that Trump wanted assurances regarding post-Maduro access to Venezuela's oil, trying to ensure that China and Russia would not benefit from oil deals with Venezuela. And Bolton emphasized that Trump had, quote, great interest in Venezuela's oil fields. And Trump said very clearly, quote, we should take the oil in Venezuela after ousting Maduro. Bolton's book also talks about Trump's treasury secretary, who is a former hedge fund manager who worked at Goldman Sachs, the investment bank, Steven Mnuchin. And Bolton recalls that Mnuchin was constantly meeting with and having phone calls with executives from U.S. oil corporations who were very concerned about U.S. oil and gas assets in Venezuela. Bolton sadistically boasted in terms of the sanctions. He said, quote, we had Maduro by the windpipe and needed to constrict it. And of course, John Bolton had his own kind of neo-colonial ideology just all throughout the entire chapter he wrote on Venezuela in this book. He referred to the 200-year-old Monroe Doctrine, which is an 1823 colonial era doctrine that essentially says that the U.S. government considers Latin America to be its neo-colonial backyard, its imperial property. And John Bolton said that Venezuela having an alliance with China, Russia, Iran, and Cuba is a violation of the Monroe Doctrine, and it is time to resurrect it. I actually have a separate video and podcast specifically about Bolton's book. I read through his memoir, and I wrote an article with the highlights of all of the just disgusting details about how the U.S. tried to organize this coup attempt in Venezuela that, that devastated the Venezuelan economy. It caused tens of thousands of civilian deaths. I will link to that in the description below so you can get more details. Now, John Bolton is, of course, unreliable, and he had a bone to pick because Trump eventually fired him. However, many of the things that he wrote about in his book have been confirmed by similar comments that Trump has made in public, like the speech he just gave this June in North Carolina, where he said that the U.S. wanted to take Venezuela's oil. When I left, Venezuela was ready to collapse. We would have taken it over. We would have gotten all that oil. It would have been right next door. But it wasn't just John Bolton. Trump's defense secretary, the head of the Pentagon, Mark Esper, made very similar remarks about Trump. And by the way, Mark Esper was the former vice president of Raytheon, the weapons corporation. So we see the revolving door in the military industrial complex between weapons corporations and the U.S. government. And in this book, 
Mark Esper said very clearly that Trump repeatedly on multiple occasions called for militarily attacking Venezuela, invading Venezuela, bombing Venezuela. And Mark Esper made it clear that this is something that Trump wanted to do from very early on in his administration, right after he came in in 2017. So this was always clearly something that Trump was obsessed with trying to overthrow Venezuela's democratically elected socialist government. There actually was a failed invasion attempt, but there was an invasion of Venezuela backed by the United States in May 2020. It's been jokingly called Bay of Piglets, like the U.S. invasion of Cuba. And the May 2020 invasion of Venezuela was officially known as Operation Gideon. And in people involved in planning this, this botched invasion of Venezuela have admitted that the Trump administration was involved in helping to support it and plan it, and that the CIA was involved along with Colombian intelligence agencies. So we have more and more evidence, a growing mountain of evidence showing how the United States tried this neo-colonial attempt to overthrow Venezuela's elected government. It's happened many times, but it just was so blatant in 2019. And in response to these recent comments from Trump boasting of trying to steal Venezuela's oil, numerous top Venezuelan officials have come out publicly and denounced the comments. Venezuela's current foreign minister, Ivan Gil, said, quote, Trump confesses that his intention was to take over Venezuela's oil. All the damage that the United States has done to our people with the support of its lackeys here has had one objective, to steal our resources. They were not able to and they will not be able to. We will always overcome. Similar comments were made by Venezuela's vice minister for North America, Carlos Ron, who said, what further evidence do we need? Here's Trump confessing that his aim all along was to take over Venezuela's oil. The Biden administration keeps his illegal sanctions policy still in place. Venezuela has and will continue to prevail. Now, this is an important point here because obviously Trump's policy toward Venezuela was just blatantly neocolonial and imperialist. But Biden has basically continued the same policy. The Biden administration has maintained the illegal, devastating sanctions on Venezuela. According to studies done by well-established economists and social scientists at think tanks in Washington, these illegal U.S. sanctions have caused tens of thousands of deaths. And yet the U.S. government under Biden has continued the exact same policy that Trump had. So this is bipartisan imperialism. Venezuela's ambassador to the United Nations, San Juan Moncada, also denounced Trump's comments. He said, quote, Trump took the mask off of 60 satellite countries, the international propaganda, and all of those politicians and intellectuals who supported a puppet, that's Juan Guaido, to govern Venezuela. The only aim has been to pillage the oil of the Venezuelan people. How shameful. This is the confession of a criminal. So he's referring to Trump as a criminal. And when Moncada, Venezuela's UN ambassador, said 60 satellite countries, he was referring to the other countries that recognized Juan Guaido, this unelected U.S. puppet, as the supposed interim president of Venezuela. Now, finally, Venezuela's former foreign minister, Jorge Arriaza, who was foreign minister during the 2019 coup attempt, he pointed out on Twitter 
you know, he used a legal term that's popular in Spanish, which essentially says that Trump is admitting through this confession, he's admitting to being guilty. This is evidence of his crime. And Arreaza said that the international justice system must act. So meanwhile, we see that, you know, the International Criminal Court is completely biased and basically controlled by Western governments, and they have done nothing to bring about justice for Venezuela. And here you have the former president of the United States admitting that they wanted to steal Venezuela's oil. Now here I want to provide a bit of my analysis. There's never one simple reason for a U.S. war or invasion or coup attempt or sanctions. There's often multiple reasons. So I don't want people to think that the only reason the U.S. has been obsessively trying to overthrow Venezuela's government is because of the oil. Now, of course, oil is a very significant reason, among other reasons. And there are academic studies that show that if a country has oil, there is more likely to be a U.S. military intervention or war. So obviously that's a factor. But I think I should point out that Cuba is a country where the United States has constantly been trying to organize coups and the U.S. had a failed invasion and has had illegal sanctions, a blockade on Cuba for more than 60 years. Every single year at the United Nations, almost every country on earth votes against those illegal sanctions, the illegal blockade in Cuba. And yet Washington continues. But Cuba doesn't have oil. In fact, Cuba doesn't really have any significant natural resources. You know, I mean, it has sugar and agriculture, but it's not a major resource hub like Venezuela, which has oil and minerals. I mean, so there's multiple factors. I mean, the reason that the U.S. has obsessively tried to overthrow Cuba's government is because it has a revolutionary socialist government that has supported anti-imperialist struggles around the world and that has a system of international solidarity through its doctor's program. It's the threat of a good example, which the U.S. is always trying to crush. Another example is Nicaragua, which has the Sandinista government, another democratically elected socialist government. And it's not like, you know, Nicaragua doesn't have oil. It doesn't have natural gas. But in 2018, the U.S. backed a brutally violent coup attempt that failed, but hundreds of people died. And since then, the U.S. has imposed multiple rounds of illegal sanctions trying to overthrow Nicaragua's government. So, again, oil is not the only reason that the U.S., was so obsessed with trying to overthrow Venezuela's government. I mean, the main factor really is that Venezuela has a democratically elected socialist leftist government that has exercised national control over its resources, that supports anti-imperialist struggles around the world. And of course, Venezuela is very closely allied with China and Russia and Iran. So the United States is just trying to reassert control over this strategic country in South America and, of course, get access to its natural resources. These are all part, you know, of the same ecosystem of factors. Again, there's not one simple reason. The U.S. didn't invade Iraq just because of the oil, although the fact that the Iraqi government had nationalized its oil and the oil belonged to the state and was used to fund social programs and infrastructure that's one of the reasons that when the U.S. invaded, it privatized the oil, selling off that oil to foreign corporations, not only U.S. corporations, but many different corporations. 
and impose neoliberal economic shock therapy, these right-wing economic policies. The same thing happened in Libya. In 2011, NATO waged a war that destroyed the central state of Libya. And under Muammar Gaddafi, the revolutionary leader of Libya, he had used that oil revenue. It was nationalized, controlled by the state. He used it to fund social programs and healthcare and education and housing. And immediately, all of that oil was privatized and sold off to foreign corporations. So again, this is a very significant factor in these imperialist conflicts. But I mean, you know, Saudi Arabia has a lot of oil. It's one of the, it has the second largest oil reserves in the world after Venezuela. And the US is not threatening to invade Saudi Arabia because historically Saudi Arabia has been a major US ally. Although of course that's actually changing. And what we now see is Saudi Arabia is maintaining more and more of an independent foreign policy. So there could be the possibility, ironically, of the U.S. trying to organize a coup attempt or intervention or something as Saudi Arabia gets too close, in scare quotes, to China and Russia. I also really want to stress how devastating the illegal U.S. sanctions and blockade against Venezuela has been for the civilian population. Studies by the think tank, the Center for Economic and Policy Research and the economists Mark Weisbrot and Jeffrey Sachs showed that just in 2017 and 2018, the illegal U.S. sanctions on Venezuela caused at least 40,000 civilian deaths. The actual figure is likely more than 100,000. And that's not even looking at the economic damage to the Venezuelan economy, which has been so devastating because the reality is that, yes, Venezuela went through an economic crisis, but it wasn't because of socialism, you know, all the propaganda we hear in the corporate media. It was because for 100 years, Venezuela has been a petrostate. Ever since oil was discovered in Venezuela, it has been a petrostate, and the vast majority of government revenue has come from oil. Now, in the neoliberal era, before the rise of Hugo Chavez and the Bolivarian Revolution, that oil revenue went to benefit a small handful of rich oligarchs. And in the Chavista era, that money was used to fund social programs. However, when the U.S. began imposing sanctions on Venezuela, going into a full-on blockade, the government could no longer sell its oil, export its oil. So this, the U.S. was starving the Venezuelan government of revenue because other countries are afraid of doing business with Venezuela because of the possibility of secondary sanctions. So even though, though technically they're not sanctioned, the U.S. threatened countries that do business with Venezuela with secondary sanctions, which is also true for Cuba, by the way. So this meant that Venezuela couldn't export its oil, and the U.S. government boasted about this fact. The U.S. Energy Information Administration published a report in 2019 boasting that Venezuelan crude oil production had fallen to its lowest level since January 2003. And what had happened in January 2003 is there was yet another coup attempt backed by the U.S. in which there was an oil lockout, a boss's strike by the oil company PDVSA. This is before Chavez, this is early in his government, before he was able to really exercise control over PDVSA. So this is the U.S. boasting that, I mean, the, the U.S. sanctions on Venezuela devastated the country's oil production, which starved the government of the revenue that it needed to fund social programs and stabilize the economy. In fact, the top United Nations expert on sanctions, Alina Duhan, who's the special rapporteur of the impact of sanctions on human rights, she visited Venezuela for a fact-finding mission, and she, she published a report in which she wrote that 
the Venezuelan government lost 99% of its revenue because of these illegal unilateral sanctions by the West. So what the United States and its Western allies have been doing to Venezuela is objectively a war crime, a crime against humanity that has caused tens of thousands, potentially hundreds of thousands of deaths that devastated the economy that has caused countless just endless human suffering and misery. And here we have this video clip of Donald Trump admitting that one of the main reasons behind this war on Venezuela was to try to steal its oil so U.S. corporations could get access to and control its oil. So a small handful of oligarchs in the United States and stockholders who are wealthy because 90% 89% of stocks in the U.S. belong to the richest 10% of households so they could benefit instead of poor and working class Venezuelans who get health care and education and housing through that oil revenue. That's what we're talking about here. It's a battle by the oligarchy, the capitalist oligarchs in the United States on Wall Street trying to control the world's natural resources for their own economic gain. Venezuela. How about we're buying oil from Venezuela? When I left, Venezuela was ready to collapse. We would have taken it over. We would have gotten all that oil. It would have been right next door. But now we're buying oil from Venezuela, so we're making a dictator very rich. Can you believe this? Nobody can believe it. By the way, comments like these in which Trump salivates over stealing the oil of Venezuela and Syria, it really gives lie to this ridiculous propaganda campaign trying to portray Trump as anti-interventionist or anti-war. Anytime you hear that ridiculous propaganda, I mean, just point out these quotes because they show how Trump is not in any way anti-war or anti-interventionist. And none of this is to mention the fact, of course, that Trump expanded the war on Yemen. He continued the war in Afghanistan. He also extended the war on Syria. He sold deadly weapons to Ukraine that even Obama hadn't sold to Ukraine in order to wage this proxy war against Russia. He tore up two different arms deals, weapons treaties with Russia, which is one of the main reasons we're in this proxy war today that Biden is continuing. Of course, it's bipartisan. Trump also started the trade war with China that Biden has been continuing. So all of these facts should just really, I mean, dispel any ridiculous propaganda narrative trying to portray Trump as anti-war. The reality is, as these comments show, that Trump was yet another president who continued the bipartisan imperialism of his Democratic predecessors and his successor, Joe Biden. Every U.S. president has continued these policies of aggression and sanctions and intervention and war, which are crimes against international law and war crimes. And here at Geopolitical Economy Report, I report on this regularly. I am Ben Norton, the editor. And if you like the work that we do, please subscribe on whatever platform you're watching or listening on, whether it's YouTube or if you're listening to the podcast version, please subscribe. It helps to promote our material in the algorithm. And if you also want to support our work, we're completely independent. Please consider going to geopoliticaleconomy.com slash support. And there are multiple ways to support us. The best way is you can become a patron over at patreon.com slash geopoliticaleconomy. And that really helps go a long way. We have no big sponsors. We have no institutional support. We rely entirely on small donations from listeners and viewers. Again, I want to thank everyone. I'm Ben Norton. This is Geopolitical Economy Report. I will see you next time.